Lord, we just come before you and thank you for this opportunity to come before you. We ask that you help us to see the word come alive and, and what you would have us to learn from this section. And we just thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week we were talking about Aaron's and the priest's first day of service. And that started in chapter 9. And they started, if you remember, they, they, Moses gave the offerings for the priests. The week before that, in chapter 8, it was Moses who did all these offerings. And then after a week, Aaron and his sons came and they offered the sacrifices for themselves. They offered all the, all the sin offering, the burnt offering, the meal offering, and the uh, trespass offering. Then they, then they did the offerings for the people. And it was the same set of offerings. And then if you remembered... The glory of God, well, the, the fire fell down on the, th the burnt offering, burnt the offering up, and the glory of God came down upon the tabernacle. And we then we talked about the weird response from Nadab and Abihu. Does anybody remember what their weird response was? They put the fire in their own, their own system. They went and got their own, they got their censers. And the, and the scripture says they put strange fire, which means unauthorized fire. It was not the right fire. It was supposed to come from the, the altar, the burnt offering altar, which was to always be burnt, burning. And what did God do to them? He struck them dead. He, he, he had fire come down from heaven and killed them. And then Aaron was told not to mourn for his children. Okay, and that would have been a very hard thing to be doing, not to mourn for your children. And we talked about how that was because he was the leader, the leader of the, the priest. And if he was to mourn for his children because they were judged by God, he would be, in a, in a sense, showing people that God was unfair to the kids, you know, to the boys who disobe disobeyed. So we talked all about that last, <laughs> last week. And we don't know exactly why Aaron, you know, uh, um, yeah, Nadab and Abihu. It, it, it's a very strange thing to all of a sudden for them just to pop up and say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do things our way." And remember, we talked about this is their first day of service. <laughs> it's like going on a job for the very first time and doing things the way you want to do it, <laughs> and not paying attention to what you're told to do. Oh, so. This is their first day of service, and they do something really crazy, you know, and, and try to do things their own way. Where are we? We're going to be in, we're going to start at verse 12 when we get caught, chapter 10, verse 12 when we get started. And then we, then we talked about how in verses 8 to 11, they were told that they weren't to drink any wine or strong drink when they were in the tabernacle, which some people believe that maybe Nadab and Abihu had been drunk and, and got a little crazy. Uh, because of this restriction all of a sudden just being thrown in in the middle of their first day of service. Um, sounds logical to me. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I throw that out because that's what a lot of people think. All right, so we're going to be starting at verse 12, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter and see how far we go. Verse 12, And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, Take the meat offering that remains in the offerings of the Lord made by fire, and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. And ye shall eat it in the holy place, because it is your due, and your sons due 
of the sacrifice that the Lord made by fires, for so I have commanded. And and the wave breast and the wee heave shoulder shall you eat in the clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for you for they be your due, and your sons due, which are given out of the sacrifices of the peace offering of the children of Israel. The heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring unto the offerings made by fire of fat, to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and, and it shall be yours, and your sons with you by statute forever. And so as the Lord commanded. We're going to stop there. So there's quite a bit here. We're, we're looking at this particular offering. So remember, we've, they've already offered for the people the sin offering, the burnt offering. They were in the middle of the meal offering or the of the fruits and you know the the meal offering that says meat here but remember it's the meal offering it is it has the fine flour and the oil and it's baked and they get to consume the the, the meal they take a very small portion of the meal throw it on the fire and they get the rest of it and the part of the burnt a part of the uh, uh, sin offering was theirs okay so here we are Moses is telling Aaron they're getting back on track. They've had this excitement in the tabernacle. <laughs> you know, God burning, burning up two of the priests, getting rid of the ones that were being disobedient on their very first day of service. And they've had this big excitement. God's fire fell down on the altar and burned everything. His glory filled the, filled the tabernacle. And if you remember, we talk about that, his glory filling things and when the glory fell upon the tabernacle, and then nobody entered in. Um, and it's going to be the same thing when they build Solomon's temple. And God, and they're dedicating it. God's glory fell upon the temple and covered it. So we see his glory oftentimes, and it envelops the whole area. And nobody goes in when it's there, right? And it's, God is there. They don't go near it. His holiness is so precious, they don't. Now, in one case, I think Moses went in, but nobody else has ever been stated to go into God's glory. But he was—he had a different relationship with, with God. So he says, take the meat offering or the meal offering that remains of the offering made by fire and eat it without leaven. And what does leaven represent? Yes, sin. Sin. All right, we're starting to remember these things. <laughs> and... So they were to eat the leaven off, and they were to eat the cakes that were made, the, the fine flour, and they were to eat it in the holy place, in, in the tabernacle. And because it, it was there, that was how they were paid. Okay? And remember, we've talked about this. The priests are not going to get any property as far as territory in the, in the promised land. Okay? They're going to get certain cities, and they're called the cities of refuge, and that's where somebody's going to run, and we're going to get to that later. But if they commit a, a accidental homicide or a homicide through self-defense, if they could get to the city of refuge, they could have a court case. Before, if they could get there before the relatives of the person who was killed killed them. Okay, so it was kind of a foot race to the city of the refuge. And uh, then when they got to the city of refuge, there would be a trial to see if it was actually accidental. And if it was, then they had to stay at the city of refuge for the, for the uh, lifetime of the current high priest. So, so they're not gonna have anything. They're paid from their service in the temple. 
They get a little bit of land around the outside of the city of refuge for farming and, 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 and animals. Annie? Did God alone receive the offering of fat, or did the priests get to eat the fat? The fat, the fat around the inner, inner parts went to the fire. Not the inner parts, I'm talking about. Okay, a ribeye steak has fat on the edge. And pork, well, they wouldn't have had pork. Ha, uh, roast has got fat in it. The fat belonged to God. Okay. The best, the best, of, the, the best of the animal belonged to God. That is the best. Yeah. But now, on the other hand, if you're at home and you want to cook a roast, you can eat the fat. No, yes. They would not have been a kosher in a kosher diet because the animals were killed at the temple and, and sent out. Now, if you killed your own, and that gets you into an area where I've read somebody say that they did not kill any animals outside of the temple. Yeah, but they did because the oh. angel of the Lord came by to see several people, and instantly the first thing they did was fix. Yeah, most something. of that, most of those were all before the temple existed. So, I don't know. I can't. I can't state for that categorically. But I have read somebody that said that all the animals were killed in the temple. I haven't been able to verify it with any other source. But oh, so, so no I can't. animals were killed out of the temple. Then. That's what one source said, oh. and I have not been able to verify that. So I don't want to. I'm not going to stand strong on that one uh, because I've not. I've never, you know, verified so, it. So then, whenever they talked about the families killing a. Um, animal they would have to bring it to the temple then like I'm just saying that's what this one guy said yeah yeah so I didn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense nope. though because there's a lot of people yeah, who live a long think, ways yeah. from the temple so see I didn't I would when I would read that I would think of that I figured they did it at their house so. yeah and it could be it could yeah. be that it only besides the temple that they allowed it to happen in the in the um the meeting the meeting groups well not just that because so if they're away, they don't have no vehicle. They're walking, so yeah. that would take. So it might days. have been. It might have been allowed to be. I mean, like I said, I when I read the guy, I, I thought of all kinds of reasons why it can't be true. Uh, but it, it was an article that from a guy that I trust in most things that he says. So I don't know. Uh, I won't teach it any strong. I'll just say that that's what he said. In judges, one of them did that. Well, and judges, the tabernacle was not in, in, yeah, in yeah. operation. Yeah. Yeah, but you got to understand, the tabernacle wasn't running in, in judges. No, it was in Shiloh, put away. Yeah, it was pretty much put away. Okay, I didn't know that. I mean, I don't know that it was officially put away, but people didn't. Ooh. See, one thing when you're reading in the Old Testament is everything was supposed to happen at the tabernacle or the temple, and yet the people kept falling away from God and worshiping idols. So you get you get a whole different whole perspective of things that weren't being done the way they're supposed to have been done anyway, and uh, so you've got all kinds of problems. Now see, I was scared to ask you that because I didn't want to sound like I was being argumentative. Yeah. Doing and the now I know to dig a little bit more on where the temple was. Yeah. Well, it was in Shiloh for a long time, and then David eventually brought it back, uh, brought it into Jerusalem, and even that had all kinds of problems with it because they didn't do it right. Right. So, it killed a man. So you got to, you know, the, the fact, I mean, we read these things and we go, okay, we know what the Bible says and we expect that they did it that way and yet they didn't. Very much the way Christians end up doing things without doing it the way God says to do it. You know, and we're seeing that 
this is going to be all about how things weren't done right is on the, the very first day of service for Aaron and his sons, they're not getting things right. They're doing things their own way and judgment falls upon two of, two of his four boys get killed because they did things their way. Can you imagine me and that being my boys and him telling me I couldn't do it? <laughs> well, you couldn't do it, but <laughs> you couldn't do it. He wouldn't put me in that position. Nope. Nope. All right, so verse 13. And the wave breast and the heave shoulder shall you eat in the clean place. Now, remember what we said? What, what did we say about the wave, the wave breast? The wave breast? The wave was this way, wasn't it? It was yeah, horizontal. Side. It represented the people. It was, a, it was to represent the people. The and heave shoulder was up and down, which represented... <laughs> Heaven? Well, represented uh, the vertical with God. Yeah, yeah. But you also got to remember, you've got now another cross being made. You've got the vertical with God. You've got the horizontal with the people. So we're seeing the cross all through the way that they practice things. Uh, when we get to numbers, we're going to see that the people camp in the shape of a cross. We're going to see that you know we see the heave and the wave offering showing the cross. We're going to see the bronze serpent being raised up so that everybody all they had to do was look at it to be saved which is talking so, about Jesus being raised up so the way was the people this way because I, I was going to ask you that question yes. I yes the wave was for the people and the heave offering was for God yeah. and it's showing the fellowship because remember it's part of the offering that is for the sin offering so it's the people and God involved and it brings in the cross ways Yes, wave, sideways, heave up and down. So they were to, and they were to get part of this, and they were able to eat that, eat that food. That was part of their meat. All right. E A V E. That is not good for us. I don't care how good it tastes. It is scientifically proven by heart doctors. It's not good for us. So did God take the best, or did God take what he didn't want to hurt us? Well, you're making a statement that you're making a statement about fat that is actually very controversial in and of itself. Okay, it's good for me to tell me, because I like the taste of that. <laughs> good, crisp. Doctors are very controversial about the fat. It is very controversial. So... But it's like anything, it's like anything, if you take too much of it, it's not good, and if you eat it in moderation, it's got benefit for you. Well, she eats moderation, obviously. It's, it's, I don't. The, fat, the, fat, the fat has high concentrates of, of, of energy because that's, that's how the body, all your fat in your body is stored energy. You just don't use it. And God set up the body, the body has been set up so that during times of, of feast, during times of feast, we will store fat because we need it for times of famine. The only problem is in our, in our generation, in our world, famine doesn't happen very often in the United States. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know that famine ever happens in the United States at this present time. We chew the fat a lot. Uh, you know, now will that change in the future from what God says? Yes, it's going to change, and we're seeing, we're seeing all kinds of problems in our, in our country. We're seeing 
weather changes we're seeing you know the all the predicted things as, as we come into judgment we're seeing so i shouldn't ask this right now but i have to because of what you just said did napal just have today another earthquake yesterday i don't know about today, yeah. about today. Yesterday. they had another 7.2 yesterday wow that's a lot of people had never oh slept in a bed God. before now they're getting it's doing changes where the girls slept in a bed that, that was donated yeah. by uh well we're, we're running we're seeing it earthquakes are hitting all around this all around this world mm -hmm. god said there would be increased earthquakes he said there'd be increased storms we're seeing storms in places where we've never seen them in america and well never seen them since the european you know in yeah. inhabitation of america uh and so as we reject God, I believe we're starting to see judgments come upon this country. And, and I believe the weather is part of that judgment that's coming on this country for our rejecting of God. And uh, the world is seeing it. The world's rejecting God and the world is seeing, seeing judgments. And the Bible predicted it. <laughs> you know, the Bible, Bible said that it would be in the end days there would be, you know, earthquakes. There would be in diverse places. There would be storms in, you know, diverse places. We're seeing what God said would happen, and the more people reject God, the more there's going to be these, you know, ways to try to grab hold of man's attention and bring them back to God. So it's it's interesting to see because it is what God said would happen, and America's been really blessed. America has been blessed. We started our country on the foundation of God's word and on His morals, and we honored we honored God. We have honored Israel, and God has blessed us. The but further then, we get from God, the more we're seeing but troubles. The world is getting so bad now. Cause I don't know if you guys just saw the change stuff on TV, on the news. I just think it's so disgusting. These two, um, what do you call lesbian people, or whatever you call them, two guys, homosexual, whatever it is, they just adopted a baby, and I think that is so disgusting. Well, it goes against God, and we're gonna, and we're seeing, we're gonna see more and more judgment from it. We're gonna see more and more judgments from all of this. And, and but the newscast, they should not even have it on the news. Which one's fine, wrong. they could do it, but don't even have it on the news. But it's what's politically correct and they try to try to make it sound like it's normal and everything. And we need we need to keep praying. We need to we need revival in this in this world and there's many big name pastors and stuff that I listen to and they think we're gonna have another revival. I just don't think we're gonna have one because I think we're too far into the end times. I would love to. I'd love to be wrong on that one. I'd love to see a revival hit. And, and well, there was 9/11. It was a tremendous revival, and it mm, fell away fast. It wasn't a revival. People went to God because they didn't have answers, but there wasn't a revival. A revival is a revival of your spirit and soul. But it didn't revive people's changing. spirit and soul. Uh -uh. It okay. drove people to God, but there was very little changed lives from it, and that's the problem. We're not seeing the changed lives that need to be seen. Uh, and God is wanting to see people's lives change and come to him. And 9-11 did not do that. It drove people to church, well, it drove them to religion, yeah. you know, looking for answers. And churches were included in that group, but it, it, didn't, it didn't really drive a revival. And part of it is because there are so many churches out there that aren't preaching the word of God. You know, and you know it's bad to say, but there are lots of churches out there that aren't preaching God's word. 
well, they're teaching psychology and good things and nice little homilies and, you know, you feel good when you listen to them, but you're not being taught to think with God. And not all the churches, obviously, you know, but there are a number of them, and you see them. We're seeing them now with, with homosexuality splitting denominations as they, they allow priests and, uh, you know, uh, pastors and priests and that are homosexual and saying, well, the Bible doesn't say anything against it, you know, they're, because they don't believe the Bible in the first place. And it's, a, it's really becoming a small amount of churches out there that really believe the Word of God. And it's a sad thing. That is sad. It's a very sad thing because I've met pastors out there that, but, you know, they sound, as long as you don't go deep into anything, they sound okay. And then you start talking to them and it's like it becomes obvious they don't believe God's Word. And if you don't, and like I said, if, if any part of this is not true, none of, it's none of it's worth anything. If I can't say that every word of this Bible is true, then I'm just going to throw the Bible away and live, you know, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I die because there's nothing to put my, put my faith in. But it seems like this is one book in this whole universe that is so totally true that yes. people would fall to it. And no, they want to have these things they want to hear. Well, part of it is they don't want... People go, well, evolution is so full of holes, and evolution is full of holes. Everybody who okay. studies science knows, and you don't even have to be a Christian going against it. The science itself is so full of holes that it's hard to believe that anybody wants to believe it. But they want to believe it because the only real alternative is that there's a God who created everything, and if there's a God who created everything, he has the right to make rules. And the funny thing is, you can find every one of the great evolutionists have made a statement in a book or a speech saying, I know there's problems with evolution, but I cannot accept the alternative that there's a God that have, have to be answerable to. Okay? And they'll say it in various, word, various words, but that's what they say. I know there's problems, but I cannot accept that there's a God that I have to be answerable to because they know the only alternative. If it's not 100% natural and you can make your own rules, and it's supernatural, then there's something that you have to be answered, answerable to. That's tragic thinking. It is tragic thinking. But that is part of what the world always ends up thinking. If I don't want to believe that there's a God because if, I, if there is a God, that means that what I do is a sin and I don't want what I do to be sin. It's like, I may not, you know, I always, you know, believe in God and always had the Bible, but now the only book I want to learn and I wish I would have done it 30 years ago with the Bible. Yep. I wish I would have done it. But this is the only book I want to read. I don't want to read any other stupid book. I want this book. Loretta yep. is the same way, by the way. How about you? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, could help everybody loves to read, like, what's your favorite? The Holy Bible. The Holy Bible. Don't you want to read it? Nope. This is the only book I want to learn. Because I don't like reading, but I do love reading this book. Well, this book will give you all the answers you want to know about anything. And the very funny thing is, the more you read your Bible, the more you study your Bible, and then you'll hear some scientific thing come out and say, well, that's what the Bible said all along. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a pretty amazing thing. And there's the old story of, you know, the scientists climbed to the top of the mountain, and there's the, there's the religious leader saying, oh, about time you got here. You know, because it's in the scriptures. How, how do you do things? You know, how do you have a good relationship? Well, if you really want to know how to have good relationships, do things the way the Bible says to do it. And you'll have a good relationship. You listen to good, you know, what few good sociological and 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 uh, and uh, 
so sociological and and philosophy psychological. psychological studies are on there's not a lot of good ones but every once in a while you get a good one and it says just what the bible says and it's like well gee i could have told you that i didn't have to spend three, you know 50 million dollars to to go go well, test out the go test it out you know it's I don't know, you guys probably read a lot of other books. See, I've only read Human Myth this sad, but only one other book, it was a thicker book, you know, not a school book, but mm -hmm. I have really never read stories. Yeah. And now when I do read, this is the only book I want to read. This is the only and, book that I want to learn. And that's not a problem. And I'm But this sorry. book, you know what makes it different? I'm sorry, again. And I'm sorry I did this. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Uh, this book, read the very last chapter when you get home. I'm not going to quote it to you. I oh, I've been reading all Revelation. I like Revelation. Yeah, but let me tell you what it's telling you. This book is like no other book. It's alive. It mm -hmm. leaves. Oh, yeah. It breathes. It bruises. It hurts. It laughs, yeah. and, and you don't know oh, that till you start reading it. Oh no, I have it's, read Revelation. Now I like Revelation. It's it's a book. It's it's the book. Yeah. I mean, and it's the story of God interacting with man. It's the story of Jesus from beginning to end. It is the template for all good stories. And I've mentioned just before. I mean, if you read any story, it's got to have the elements of Jesus's life. Otherwise, it has, it's not worth reading. A movie has to have, I mean, you have to have a protagonist, you have to have a, you have to have a hero, the hero has to suffer great loss if, you know, if not close to death, look like they're not going to win, then they win and, they, and they're victorious over evil. You're right. That's, That's the story the of Jesus. Every, and every good story, every good movie has to have every bit of those elements. And if they don't, you're left with your, your story looking at saying something's wrong with this story. If bad wins at the end of a story or a movie, mm -hmm. it, it leaves you empty because bad is not supposed to win. We know that instinctively. The evil is not supposed to win. And when you watch a movie that has, has a bad winning and, and winning, and there's not many of them because they know that good has to win, even though they try to, to, try to twist us on it, if bad wins, people walk away from the movie saying, I like, the movie was okay, it was good, but something was wrong with it. Now the movies that I watch now that I love, that I didn't watch that much of, all Christian music, uh -huh. movies. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, stories of families and stuff. You know, I like those. Yeah. But the, every story has to be part of the true story. And that's Jesus. Yeah. He is the true story. And if you, you've got to have his elements in the story to be a good story uh, if you ever if you ever watch a movie where the hero has no problems you walk away from it saying how unrealistic because everybody knows that you don't go through life without trouble uh, so everything comes down to the Bible is the template for everything it tells us how to live it tells us what to do how to stay out of trouble how to how to plant good you know it is the template for life. And people will go, well, well, what about this book? And what about that book? Well, I'm sorry. I've read bits and pieces out of a lot of those books, and they're just not there. You, you read the Koran. The Koran is full of contradictions all through it. 
You know, now they'll tell you, well, you can't judge it because you're not reading it in Hebraic. And well, well, then the book is worthless. If the whole world can't understand it, then it's a worthless book. You know, the Bible can be written and translated in multiple languages, and it doesn't lose the power of it. Uh, you know, and talked with many people, and many people will say, what's the best translation you can read? And my answer is a real simple one, the one that you'll read. Okay, I like the King James. I, you know, the NSAB is probably one of the best translated ones as far as word-for-word -word translation, but I can't stand the book. I, it just, it just, it, it's hard to read. Uh, you, know, you can have the best translated version of the Bible, but if you're not going to read it, right. it's not going to do you a bit of good. Good News for Modern Man was one of the worst paraphrases that ever existed, but thousands of hippies and people in that generation got saved by reading Good News for Modern Man, and it was a terrible translation. And many not only accepted him, they accepted the call to pastor him. And many of them went on to be pastors. I mean, many of them went So you, we want to be careful because the one that is important is the one that you'll read. King James. I like the King James. I, I grew up reading King James. Uh, but the one thing you want to be careful of, King James isn't a perfect translation either. It's got places where they used very weak word, weak translations. Well, this is the New American Standard Bible. And that's a good, that's a good solid one for translation. Yeah. So, but the key is, if you're going to read it, it'll be a value. You know, mm -hmm. and if you if you have a version of the Bible and you read it and you go, oh, I'm just going to fall asleep because it's so boring, or I just can't make heads or tails out of it, and you don't read it, and then all it does is gather dust on your shelf, it's not doing you a bit of good. Uh, you know, I used the NIV Bible for 10 years for a while because it, where it's good, it is very good. The problem is where it's bad, it's very bad. Uh, so the key is you find the one that's good for you. Then you learn how to study the Bible and get into, you know, if you want to really study, then you, you know, really want to get the best version, you need to re learn to read Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic because part of it's in Old Testament and Aramaic. You know, so if you really want to get and study it in the version it belongs in, you have to learn the original languages or learn the tools to be able to go into the original languages. Uh, and we're way off, way off our normal, but that's okay. I'm I'm hopefully you'll help. That's what I'm sorry for. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, if it's useful, it's useful. That's, that's what's important. Um, all right, verse 16. And Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burnt. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, which were left alive. Wherefore have ye not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy? And God hath given it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation and to make atonement for them before the Lord." Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. You should indeed have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. All right, through all of this excitement, in the middle of the sacrifice, the sacrifice got burnt. And they were supposed to take part of it out to eat. And Moses gets mad. You know, and if you think about this, you know, think about the chaos that's going on in this, at this point. This had to be a very stressful day. It's your your very first day. You've been studying for you've been studying for you know about a year or so. You know the different parts, but you this is the first day you're going to be doing this on your own. And you screwed up 
And your brothers get burnt. <laughs> you know, all chaos is going on in the temple, on the tabernacle, with these guys being burnt, because you can guarantee that the congregation didn't stay around long. You know, people looking at these guys getting burnt, uh, you know, they were on their face because of the glory of God. It doesn't say that they left, but I can guarantee they didn't stick around. It was scary enough that the fire came down and took the offering. And then to see two of the priests get burnt, your first instinct would have been run. 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 run away from here as fast as you can get your feet to move. Because two guys that we thought were the good guys are dead. <laughs> okay. They're dead. I'm not sticking around. And that is the normal response to any kind of disaster. Yes. Yeah. No, it's going to zap them. I'm dead meat. I mean, if, if, a building, if a building is shaking that you're in, your instinct yeah. is to get out of the building. If your building is on fire, your instinct is to get out yeah. of the building. If you're in an auto accident, your instinct is to get away from the cars. You know, that's your first instinct. Now, we train firefighters and policemen to run into the disasters. You know, uh, but that is going against instinct because of the way they're trained. Okay? Yeah, to go into the disaster is not being doing what comes instinctively. So I can guarantee the people were getting away from the tabernacle. Now, that enough, the idea that the fire fell down, God's glory fell down, they bowed their faces down, then all of a sudden... These two boys get, or men, young men, you know, get burnt up. I have a feeling nobody was left in that, in that tabernacle. It doesn't say that, but I just have this feeling that nobody was going to be there. <laughs> because I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> I guarantee I would not have been there. Watching all that happen, I would have been right. back in my tent or even outside the camp as far as I could get. Uh, so we have all this stuff going on, and then Moses is mad that the, that the offering, that they, they didn't eat their offering. Okay? On their first day. Now, on their first day with everything going wrong. So, but his point was you're not doing it the way it's supposed to be done. You know, there's a lot going on in this thing because this first day is really a disaster because people aren't keeping focused on what God has asked them to do. What does he mean The blood was not brought in? Well, they took the blood from the sin offering, they sprinkled it upon the altar, they sprinkled it upon the, the incense, they took it inside the holy place and sprinkled it on the, all the items. And they didn't sprinkle it. And they it. didn't get that far. Oh. Okay, so this is the sin offering, this is the propitiation offering, the satisfaction of God and the blood didn't go where it was supposed to go. Okay? The whole picture of this offering has been messed up. Okay? Because what's supposed to happen? It's a picture of Jesus dying for the sin, his blood being taken in, being anointing the altars. This isn't the Yom Kippur offering, but it is the one that goes in. It's supposed to be sprinkled all over the, the holy place uh, and on the altar, on the horns of the altar, and, and it didn't get done. The picture of the offering was messed up. And it got messed up because of Nadab and Abihu not doing things right in the service of God. Satan had and they knew they could do everything right, but they said they, on their first day, they knew what they were going to do. Who knows why they did what? I mean, we can speculate, like yeah. I say, a lot of people, because it mentions the alcohol in here, think that they got drunk, you know, kind of got a little tipsy, and, and they got excited and, and kind of lost their mind. Uh, 
Who knows why they did what they did? Satan, Satan had a field day on the first day of service. But it is really a picture of how often do we end up doing the same type of stuff. Where we get in and we start doing things our way. Okay? Not God's way. And how merciful God can be to us. Sometimes he strikes people dead. And I think there's people that he strikes dead. If, they, if they're bringing too much shame to his name and they're not seeming to want to repent, then he's going to take them home. Because he's not going to allow his name to be dragged through the mud. Nadab and Abihu did things their way. Let us put fire in our censers, and we're going to burn the holy oil with fire that we put in it. We're going to do it our way. We're going to, we're going to try to run things. It's been said that the average church, in the New Testament, the average church, if the Holy Spirit would have been taken away, nothing would have happened, or very little would have happened. 10% of their activity would have kept going because everything was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It said in today's world, and it's probably true, that if the Holy Spirit and God removed himself from the average church, some 80 to 90% of what they do would keep going because it's just what they do. Ritual. It's ritual, it's tradition. Yeah. Uh, and you see it. Uh, I, I've been in churches where you know exactly how the service is going to go. There'll be your, your, your song as you come in being played. There'll be two or three song, hymns being sung. You'll have an offering. You'll have a special song. You'll have the pastor speak. And then you'll have a closing song. And everybody goes home. <laughs> and heaven help the pastor if he was to change the order at all in any way. Okay. I've also been in a church where you never knew what you were going to expect. I you know? like <laughs> the pastor might get up and speak as soon as everybody sat down <laughs> and do his, do his message. Now, most churches get into a little bit of a, you know, a routine and a habit, and, and people like routine and habit. But if you get so much into that routine and habit that God couldn't say, we're going to do something different this yeah. week, you've got a problem. And the key is, are you willing to be flexible? Are you willing to listen to the way God wants things done? You know, it would be, you know, maybe one day we'll just have our service out in the park one day just for the fun of it. I don't know what we God may tell us to do, you know. But we never know. And the idea is to be willing to listen to God and say, God, what is it you want done? Nadab and Abihu tried to do things their way. They lit the holy oil representing the Holy Spirit with fire of their own creation basically saying, we're going to control the Holy Spirit. Where was the fire supposed to come from? The only fire that was perpetually lit was in the, in the altar. The altar's fire was to always be there. When they, when they cleaned it in the morning, they moved the ashes out. They moved the fire to one side, and they pulled the ashes out, and then spread the fire back out and added more wood. When they were to, when they were to break camp, there would be a Levite who was in charge with carrying the, carrying the fire. He would take coals out of the fire, and his job was to make sure that those coals stayed banked and, like and was in you know, some kind of box. Uh, and we talked last week about this whole idea of banking the fire and keeping the fire going. Uh, and back in the days when all your heat was done by your fireplace or your cooking was all done by the fireplace, you never let your fire go out. You would bank it. You'd set it up against the corner and, and, and so, so the hot coals would stay, you know, and then you put the little kindling back on it, blow it, and, and up it would come. Well, this before lighters and matches, and you know, when you had to light by flint, you know, guys who were good at it could light a fire pretty quick with flint. But 
you know, most people never got that good. The fire it was easier just to keep your fire burning keep and the home fires burning. And you, you banked it in the corner and kept it kept it from going out. That was the way it was supposed to be with the altar, the the fire of the altar was to never go out. And God lit the first one. <laughs> so and they just didn't do things God's way. And now they're in another place. They're in the second place. They have, they've, they've, they've forgotten in all that excitement. They forgot about the, getting the meat off the altar. But that really had to rattle those two bowls. <laughs> it would have rattled everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, it kind of rattled Moses, too, because he's looking at it pretty late in the game here. You know, it's all gone, and he's not looking for it. Now, now, he may have expected somebody to have gone and done their job. You know, because you got to remember Moses has been trained. Moses is a trained leader, okay? He was trained by Pharaoh to be royalty and be a leader. God did a great job by putting him in Pharaoh's uh, courts for his first 40 years of his life. He was trained to be a leader, okay? He is not a nobody. He is a very trained, able leader, and he was trained to be so. So... He is expecting that I told somebody to do something. He expected it to be followed, even in the middle of all that chaos, because a leader expects their people, even in the middle of chaos, to go do what they've been trained to do. Now, it doesn't always happen. And you know, that when I was running restaurants, sometimes restaurants get very chaotic. Mm -hmm. you know, and there were times when you expected your people just to do what they were trained, because you couldn't pay attention to every detail of everything going on and then you come around a corner and find out that people haven't been doing what they were trained to do and you have a mess to clean up. Uh, but when people are well trained, you have this expectation as a, as a leader that they're going to do what they're trained to do. Now, in this case, they haven't been trained for a long time. Okay, you must give them that. All right, they've been, we're getting close to the end of the year that they've been camped out at, at Sinai. I remember we talked about that in Exodus. They, they camp at Sinai for a year. Okay, Moses gets the in, in, instructions and it takes him about a year to put all, all this stuff together. Actually a little less because of the month and all that been involved. So he's had about eight to nine months or so, 10 months to train these boys, this is what you do. And I can guarantee even though they didn't have a tabernacle, they drew the you know, plan on the ground or something or made something and he says this is what you do, this is how you do it. And he's training them day in and day out and now the very first day they've served all everything goes wrong and they forget what they're supposed to do and we look at it and say well yeah it makes sense and in one sense it does make sense it makes a lot of sense that they that they kind of lost track of the offering you know their brother's just been burnt to a crisp they're being instructed that you know not to mourn for him um, mourn for them uh, there's the chaos of all this going on uh, the, you know, the chaos of the people probably, like I say, I believe the people ran out of the tabernacle. I do not believe they stuck around. So you've got that chaos going on, and that's, that's my opinion, don't, you know, but I just can't see them sticking around when these two boys get burnt, burnt to a crisp. And, uh, so you've got the chaos of everybody leaving, <laughs> leaving the tabernacle area. You've got you know, them being instructed by Moses that God says not to mourn, and they're having to deal with that. You know, their brothers have just been killed and they've been told not to mourn. You know, so they've got that on their mind. How do you not mourn somebody that you care for and love? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or how do you at least not show, show it to others? And then Moses comes along and, hey, hell, guys, why didn't you get the meat off the, right. off the altar? <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be eating this meat. The blood was supposed to be 
sprinkled. What did you see? First, 19. All right, the Amplified. But Aaron, oh, I haven't got to that one yet. No. I haven't got Sorry. to 19 yet at all. No, but you're going to have to read that. All right. So you've got the, all this chaos going on, and Moses is chiding these two boys for not doing their job. And, you know, you've got to feel for these two boys because they're in confusion. They're, they're probably realizing, oh, yeah, we didn't do our job. You know, now, now, you know. But what do you think they're thinking at at this point? They're probably. They're going to get burned. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to get, we're going to end up getting burnt. Uh, our brothers didn't do their job right and they got burnt. And now we haven't completed our job. They're probably looking up to heaven and saying, okay, where's the fire coming from? We're going to die too. Okay. I can picture them. I mean, he hasn't said that that's going to happen, but you can picture them kind of wondering, okay, our brothers died because they did things their own way. We forgot something. Does that mean we're going to die? Because they've already been warned over and over, you've got to do these things correctly or else. Okay, so they're in a position now where they're probably worrying at this point, you know, they're being chewed out, they're not finishing this, they're probably looking around and saying, okay, are we going to be struck down as well? You know, it's a scary time. It's a scary time. Now Aaron's answer in verse 19. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, this day have they offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and, and such things have befallen me. And if I had eaten the sin offering today, should it have been excited, accepted in the sight of the Lord? And when Moses heard this, he was content. Aaron is saying, I would, I'm not in the right mood to be able to have done it anyway. I am, not, I am not feeling very righteous. I am not feeling very holy. I am not feeling very sanctified at this moment. If I had eaten it, it would have been with the wrong attitude at the wrong time. And we think about the Lord's Supper. Where, where Paul told the Corinthians, many of you have eaten without in, incorrectly and there are many of you that are sick or dying because of not being eaten with the right attitude. So Aaron's basically saying, Moses, I couldn't have done it right anyway. I could have eaten it, but I would not have been in the right, the right uh, frame of mind. And Lynn says it says something in the Amplified, so let's see what the Amplified but Aaron said to Moses, Behold, this very day to which we have obediently offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, such terrible calamities have befallen me and them, if I and they had eaten the most holy sin offering today, humbly as we have been by the sin of our own kinsmen and God's judgment upon them, would it have been acceptable in the sight of the Lord? And basically, he's saying that same thing. You know, we couldn't have done it in faith. We couldn't have done it right. You know, we're dealing, we're dealing with so many things in today's world. And that may have been why God let the sin offering be consumed completely without it being taken. Because they could not have consumed it. it they, they, were not, they were not feeling that they were in a holy place. And this offering, the meat of that offering was a holy offering. So... The first day of service for, the, for these poor guys was a total disaster. <laughs> and yet it was showing many lessons. It shows God's commitment to excellence and being doing things right. And it also shows his mercy and, as in relationship to the other two sons because they did not complete their job and they did not eat the, eat the offering that they were supposed to. 
They did not spread the blood like they were supposed to, and yet God had mercy on them. Mostly because he could understand that. You know, the other guys did something just dumb. You know, they added to what was supposed to be done. The other boys just forgot. They forgot. They didn't get it. They didn't do the full service they were supposed to do. And God had mercy on them. But the ones that just went off and did their own thing, he had judgment for. And so we want to, we want to be in that same place and when, as, we, as we look at service for God. And I hope that made some of this come alive. And yeah. <laughs> Let's close the prayer. It's a little early, but that's okay. We're not going to go into chapter 11 with all the food, the foods uh, that are allowed and not allowed at this point. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we've had to come and study your word and to look at the sacrifices. We ask that you be with us and as we go on in the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.